Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Our planet may be doomed, our Earth devastated, the monsters are in revolt, and civilization is in chaos. Godzilla is laying waste to New York, Rodan is attacking Moscow, Manda is smashing London, and Peking trembles under the wrath of Mothra. Our battle cry must be, destroy all monsters. Who can say which country or city will be next? We must unite and destroy all monsters. Is there a way to defend against Godzilla, Rodan, Manda, and Mothra? The answer is no. Let our battle cry be, destroy all monsters. Be prepared. See for yourself in color from American International. Destroy all monsters. Monster. 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 This picture is rated G for general audiences. Destroy all monsters. Monster. 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 Hi, this is Josh Olson coming to you from my secret bunker deep in the Hollywood Hills. Hunter Thompson once said, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Well, the going has definitely gotten weird, folks. At a time like this, people turn to movies more than ever for escape. So we thought we'd check in with some of our previous guests and find out what they're watching these days in the hope that we might help you make the most of your downtime. So here it is, our first pandemic parade a Corona Cavalcade of Stars, brought to you by your friends at Trailers from Hell and the movies that made me. But first, a word from our sponsors. Meet Black Jack, jiving Jack Lynch. What he does unto others, he does in style. Black Jack, the rude dude who blew all the gold out of Fort Knox and spread the bread around. See George Stanford Brown starve the rookies as Black Jack. He's got the man on the pan and he's going to fry him good. Black Jack, rated PG. First up, it's two-time guest Dana Gould. So, uh, Dana, uh, welcome back, first of all. Always, always a pleasure to talk to you. We're um, inviting some of our favorite guests to come back and... Uh, during this interesting and unique time. And um, we're asking them to sort of give people a list of maybe like five movies to help um, get through this weird quarantine, this pandemic that we're facing. And so, um, so we want to reach out to you and, and ask you for five movies. I'd like to ask, are your five movies Planet of the Apes, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Conquest for the Planet of the Apes, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes? maybe okay well thank you for thank you for joining us dana we'll see you soon sugar pie she's the sweetest thing in town it's not good clean fun but it sure is fun the film that asks the burning question is sex dirty it is if you do it right sugar pie a mouth-watering delight when sugar pie was good she was very very good and when she was bad she was wonderful cut yourself a piece of the action see sugar pie i'm all yours sugar pie rated r 
Our next guest is the great screenwriter Daniel Waters. We're we're going we're going through sort of all our uh, previous guests and uh, checking in with folks. Greatest hits, I hope. Kind of, yes, exactly, and uh, checking in with people to see how how they're doing, and most importantly, what movies are they watching to get through this quarantine? And what movies do they want you to watch? And what movies do they think you would watch and you would enjoy? So we're here with uh, the great screenwriter Daniel Waters, um, returning champ. As you know, I like to go out to the theaters to see movies. So yes, I feel for you. I think about you often. So so it's been tough getting all this work done and getting all this actual writing done. It's been very weird. <laughs> but but I, I I just came up with the schedule though. I haven't I I'm. And Larry Karzuski has done this too, where every day we've got a different event. So can I just take you through the, the, the calendar? Yeah, please. It's Saga Sunday. That's movies that have to be over three hours, three-hour minimum. Okay. Um, you should be able to have your pick of anything that came out in the last Oh, year. yeah. Believe me, I got all these box sets of cobwebs that I've been The Human Condition, nine hours. All right. Japanese film. Love it. Can hardly wait. Uh, then it's cinematic revisit comfort food Mondays. Oh, okay. You know, it's something that's an easy one. I got a Bergman Criterion collection, a big Mar Bergman, not Andrew Bergman. Um, <laughs> There's a difference. It's, it's Bergman box Tuesdays, black and white Wednesday, arts for arts sake Thursday. It's got to have subtitles. Hoping it doesn't last 24 weeks, but I'm doing the James Bond movies in chronological order on, on Fridays. <laughs> and then it's Saturday Sleaze, which oh, is dear. giallos and giallos and horror movies and generally not general naughtiness. Sounds but, good. But that's for me. I've got yes. some choice. I got some choices that I like to, you know, for the other for for you civilians. <laughs> Well, go ahead, sir. Let's hear what Let's you just got. get into it. With, all right. Yeah, okay. just get into it. All right. Once this quarantine thing happened, I just thought went right to this movie. Late sixties. It was my. It was the comfort movie. It was the great claustrophobic comfort movie. Um, it just made me feel cozy. I it would show on ABC, and I would look forward to it every year, the way other kids look forward to Wizard of Oz. Because as you know, us of a certain age. We got to see Wizard of Oz once a year. And, and if we went to the bathroom during the flying monkey sequence, we'd have to wait another year to see it. Right. So here's my Wizard of Oz. It's a movie called Hello Down There. Uh, wow. Jack, directed by Jack Arnold, starring Tony Randall as a man who comes up with a model, model home that can be lived under water, but to prove it, to prove to his boss, Jim Backus, he moves his family this little underwater apartment for a month. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. It was fun. Merv Griffin shows up as himself because one of the kids is in a band. Ken Berry is the evil, the evil competitor. And always Ken Berry is a villain. It's always a good thing. Uh, but the movie made me feel so cozy. I don't know if you got, I don't know if you remember it. Well, there's a, it's, it's high on my list of bathysphere movies. Oh, cool. Is is Richard Dreyfus in it? Richard Dreyfus yes, is yes. in it. Yes. yes, I have seen it playing like a hippie kind of. Yeah, exactly. I exactly. have seen this movie. Yes. 
God, yeah, I, I, I go, hey, should I watch it again before going on? And I go, I'm not going to watch it again because I want to recommend it because I may, may not, <laughs> may, may not hold up as. as no, it's fun. I mean, it's not exactly, uh, you know, it's, it's no classic, but it's, it's fun. It's got a good cast, and it's, it's. I, I, I liked it when it was new, and I, I've seen it, I think, once since then, and it's, it's still fun. I yeah I used to do it every year and I I had I, now I guess the DVD is out of print but I I had the DVD I don't know what happened to it though but I wonder if it had a trailer on it we can do it for trailers from home oh cool um, going a different route since we're all inside I thought I'd pick the the most outside movie ever Koyana Scotsy. Oh. Um, with the with the with the film glass music, it goes everywhere right. in the world that you can't go to, uh, and then it's yeah, it's got a <laughs> and it's got a great last half hour that just filming people walking around in Vegas, and even that is exotic now. I, I you know I, always, <laughs> I had this movie set up as like a, a post a post um, apocalypse movie, but I guess we can watch it now, so that's good. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, do you find? I mean, we're recording this. It's only LA's been only been in lockdown. This is an astonishing thing. LA's only been in lockdown for four days now, but um, uh, I, I'm already find if I'm watching something, I always it, it takes me a second sometimes to remember that what I'm watching isn't happening in the world today. So I'm seeing characters going out in a club, and I'm like, what What are they doing? Why are they doing that? Well, yeah, you know, people, people, people hug each other, and you go, "Oh, don't do that." Yeah, yeah don't yeah, do that. There's a lot of touchy feeliness. That's why I am not when I'm watching some regular TV. I'm not fast forwarding through the commercials because the commercials right. are commercials are more fascinating than ever. Like, oh, yeah. remember when you could just drive a car and look at a car? It was so great. That's true, and in fact, I find myself wondering, unless it's all pre-bought. Why are they still paying to run those things? Exactly. Yeah. There's a commercial of a dog looking longingly at a car to sell cars. And like, who's who's looking longingly to buy a car right now? Yeah, yeah. no, it's true. And all, and all the products that they're trying to sell that you can't go out and buy. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm keeping it moving. Going different ways, going a completely different route. Moving from not that long ago. Um a little more serious. It's called 13 Days. Oh, yeah. Directed by Roger Donaldson. Oh, no, no, no. It's I can't a, do that. What? About, Why not? It's, it's a Cuban Missile Crisis movie. It's about... I the, just remember there's... Um, what crisis were we in when it came out? I think it was... it was, uh, was The it? Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, well, no, we no, no. Different crisis. Oh, we were in... It was a 9-11? No. It, it came out in... Um, yeah, what, what, what year was it? 13 days here because I remember so many crises we can't keep them straight uh 2000 it's 2000 so yeah so we hadn't quite you hadn't it was pre 9 11 it was pre 9 11 but you know when people forget this and it makes me crazy that um uh yes Donald Trump is absolutely ghastly but I I, I, I do people here remember how absolutely brutally fucking awful George W Bush was and we were terrified that there was this utter nitwit in the White House and I remember seeing that film and you know there's a moment where uh jack and bobby um it's a great bit i think of it often where uh they talk about how like oh well you know i, I always used to think there'd be an old man who would come down from the mountain and help us figure this stuff out and they look at each other and they go we we are those old men it's like it's us now there's nobody else coming and i remember oh. watching that and thinking oh jesus and now we've got this clown in the white house 
Well, we but we always had Dick Cheney to hold him in line. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> he, he's our <laughs> firewall. <laughs> yeah, but but I remember watching that at times that we thought were pretty bad, and and uh, just little yeah. did we know. Well, thank yeah. thank you, Josh, for stealing my whole thesis statement. But oh, um, I'm sorry, uh, Jesus, guy. You know, it's a good thing you bring these guests on. <laughs> I just named the title, and then you go, boy. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, well, Daniel. Yeah. What's your thesis? Thirteen days was watching. I mean, because the Cuban Missile Crisis, if it would have been fucked up at the presidential level, it could have been really bad. And <laughs> you don't really realize how close it was. And it was just great seeing both Bruce Greenwood and Stephen Culp as the Kennedy brothers. And they did. And like, it's like, oh, this is what happens when you have a real president. And, and yeah. I mean, it was it, it's a, a blessing to watch. And I think it. You know, you can watch and pretend and you can either watch it as a comedy of what would Trump do or as like nostalgia of when we had great presidents. Yeah. Wow. I hadn't even occurred to what's what's going to happen. When are, when are we going to get the first, you know, earnest TV movie about Trump's White House in a crisis? It won't be for a little while. I hope I hope there's. Still a civilization to have the to make yes. the green light these movies. <laughs> Jesus, uh, um, boy, I hadn't re I re hadn't realized how disparate my choices are, but I'm just I'm I'm heading every awesome. I'm heading every food group. That's the way it should be. Something for everybody. All right. Well, now you know going against the whole comfort food angle. Like I find people are like, oh, I'm just watching all my old favorites. They're like talking about all the old comedies they're watching and all the movies they're childhood and the little John Hughes movies that made them feel so good. And like, I, yeah, and you know, and then there's Netflix and like, oh, are you watching that episode? Are you watching that series? Like, oh, that serial killer documentary. Oh, it's so good. And like, I'm like, this is the time to eat your vegetables or, or <laughs> this is your time that just like Pee Wee Herman and those snakes that he refuses to say, this is the time to go and watch that intimidating art film that you've always put off, that you've always read these stuffy masterpiece reviews. You keep meaning to watch it, but you don't watch it. And I'm going to pick as the, the, the beauty contestant for this, this state, um, Stalker by Andre uh -huh. Tarkovsky. I thought you were going to pick Marianne Bad. Oh, yeah. No, let's see Marianne Bad. Berlin let's wait. Alexander Plotz? Let's wait for Nuclear War. Um, Berlin Alexander Plotz is, by the way, the first two episodes are painful. It's like paint dry. But once you get going, yep. five and six, they're great. I, I... Okay. But to Stalker, that's the one to try because if you can get through it, if you can just like realize, you realize there's no escape and you got to watch the whole thing. It gets pretty, it gets pretty genre in there. It's the end of the world science fiction movie, and it's got a couple little, couple little plot twists in there. If you're not asleep, <laughs> <laughs> but I say that's the one. That's the Moby Dick, Holy Grail, um, that you should be tr at least try for that one. Well, for for Sarge, you should probably pick No Exit, which is I think fits our, fits our conditions to a T. <laughs> This has got a little, it's got a little no exit in it. If you, and you're also going to do no exit, there's uh, The Exterminating Angel by Ben Weld. If you're going to do another art yeah, film, if you're going to. Also perfect for us. 
Yeah, yeah. for being locked in. Yeah. Oh, I got it. Should have put that on the list. I'm putting it on there now. Uh, that's, 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 that's a great. good one. Did somebody else say that? Did Dana Gould say the no, nobody nope. said no, that's the first <laughs> one. Right. Well, that's great. That's a great one because it is, you can't leave the room. Unfortunately, it breaks the six feet apart rule, but um, <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to get a little, little scandalous at this next one. This is like a bunch of movies. I'm like, okay. So, somebody said something funny that if, the guy who came up with a comes up with a cure for the coronavirus, if it turns out there's a tweet of him in blackface from a cat, <laughs> will, will there will oh, no. be people who don't take the cure on a protest? <laughs> so uh, in, in that light, I say it's time to watch a Woody Allen movie because no one can get because yes. we got bigger things oh, to worry book about. Is getting published. Yes, and his book is, it's, I, I don't believe in Kindle, so, but, but I hope to read it. Um, but, and, and Polanski, The Tenant, too. I say, if you're going to pick a Woody Allen movie, Sleeper is a nice little futuristic fun one that's going to, it's the most escapist that's going to take you away from the quarantine. So you'd say, give that one a try. But I'm saying, you, no one's going to be there to shout you down. This, right. secret. this is the time to get your Woody Allens out of your system. And then when we come back to the world and we have the, the little things to worry about, then you can go back and say, you hey, hate Woody Allen and all that. But so for now, and I'm going to throw in one more. Josh, Josh knows it. I think I'm going to do it as part of my comfort food money because it is the comfort movie, even though nobody's heard of it except Josh. Um, what's it called? <laughs> what's it called josh ladies and gentlemen final cut oh yeah final cut ladies and gentlemen final cut ladies and gentlemen yeah we talked about that with uh larry wilmore um oh cool yeah 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 uh yeah. Do, you you describe yeah final cut ladies and gentlemen you describe it it's it's out there it can be found um on the interwebs you can't pay for it yeah, yeah, it's but it's basically a Hungarian man, is that right? I believe so, yeah. Um he basically taking clips from his 50 favorite movies. Mm -hmm. One of them being The Adventures oh, of Hunter Lane. 100. 100 his fa his fa 150 favorite movies, taking clips and from his favorite movies. Including for some reason one I wrote my worst movie, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, but who who's going to argue with him? He's he's you know, it was big and hungry. Um but uh, he cuts together basically a boy meets girl story and with scenes from 150 different movies. And it's got an arc and it's got a horrible end of the second act and a triumphant third act. And it is must be seen to be believed. And if you can find it, that's the one to find. And it's going to change. You're going to watch it every day. Yeah, it is. To, to be very clear. Because because it was um, all taken from other films, it was never none of which yeah. has been cleared. Yes, he never um, he, he never, never, he never wrote letters of permission. It's it's the kind of thing that um, you can only see for free. So uh, we don't usually say this, but but go on the internet, look for a final cut, ladies and gentlemen. And pirating is the only way you can get it. Yeah, there are no uh, there are no rules today. Yeah, it's a spectacular film. I know there's a there's a DVD quality um, quick time of it floating around there. There's somewhere. another there's another movie called La Classe Americaine. Yes, uh, which is the same idea, right? Uh, which I have a copy of. Um, you do? 
Well, I got a, I got a DVD, but I don't know if somebody must have sent it to me. It's got English subtitles, which means yeah. that what, a lot of oh, this, this, one, this one's got English subtitles. This one's got subtitles too, I think. Huh. Well, some of it. The, um, Final Cut is in English, except when the film clips are foreign and then it has subtitles. But uh, Class American, I believe, is all clips from American movies. But they're two different but, movies. Oh, they're, I dubbed, they're dubbed in French, and then you have to see them with the subtitles. Okay. Yeah. Oh, um, oh all right. Uh, these yes. are my these are my movies. I love these. These are, these are great. Yeah, they're, they're, they're both on IMDb, though, if people want to look them up. Cool. Yes. Cool. But uh, wonderful stuff, Daniel. All right. I'm going to go shoot some looters now. Paging Dr. Lind. Paging Dr. Steinhurst. George just couldn't get enough of a good thing. There was Susie, Joanna, Gloria, Rose, Betty, Carol, several of their sisters, some of their daughters, a few friends of the family, and of course me, Irene. He gets me in the end. You see... George is the 24-hour lover, the scoring champion of the world. But who's keeping score? When the good things George was getting finally got to George, they rushed him to the hospital. The doctor's treatment wasn't so hot, but the nurses showed him a real good time. Nurses Mohane Smith through Hart and Morris, please report to room 302. See the 24-hour lover and bring a score sheet. The 24-hour lover, an American international picture, rated R. Next up is screenwriter Scott Alexander. Scott Alexander, how are you? How are you weathering this particular storm? Um, I mean, it, it, pretty good. Twenty feet under the ground right now. Yeah, you know, under under ten feet of of uh, fortified concrete. My oldest son keeps saying we need to uh, hang black tarp over all the windows, but uh, I'm going to ignore him at this point. He he's a big fan of uh, early seventies dystopian science fiction, and so uh, he's he's seen he's seen too many Omega Man, Soylent Green films. Um, well, this is a good time for them, I suspect. Uh, well, what's your um, Scott? We just wanted to interrupt your uh, your your busy life right now, and um, ask you if you could uh, throw some recommendations our listeners' way for things to watch during a pandemic. Things to watch during a pandemic. Um, yeah, what, what's what's entertaining you right now? Well, can I ask what's entertaining Joe? What's the last movie you saw? What's the last movie I saw? Was it Banana Split? Knives Out. Oh, feature Banana. movie in a theater. Knives Out was the last one. No, Banana Split we saw the other day. It's a new. It hasn't come out yet. Uh, it's good. A delightful comedy. Uh, I watched that and The Hunt. Well, that sounds cheery. What did you think of the hunt? I, I enjoyed the hunt very much. Um, well, you know, it's it's always been a good story. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, so you were going to give us a few uh, a few movies to help folks through these times of woe, Scott. What do you got for us? Okay. Um, well, I mean, I, immediately I went I went I went to comedy because people people want to be cheered up in these grim times. Uh, sure. Some some friends who you may know are doing these theme days and th- theme weeks to pass the time. Uh, I'm not that yes. impulsive, uh, but I, I thought for your for your listeners, um, you I think you had said come up with five movies. So I thought five, 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 five. Yep. How about the five 
Mark's Brother Movies at Paramount, uh, <laughs> which is a nice round number. Perfect. And sure. I, I thought we could sort of talk talk about the the first five, the great five, uh, which is uh, kind of what they made their reputation on, plus, you know, Night at the Opera, uh, which isn't as good, but still is still is terrific. Um, but, but, but the first five are, are when they are pure anarchy, and it's a confluence of uh, uninhibited filmmaking, pre-Hayes Code, pre-Irving Thalberg, pre-Depression movies need to raise our spirits and represent a more idealized version of what we all wish. Uh, the early Marx films are just uh, pure id, and let's just burn down everything in sight, which is why they are so joyful and why they're still so funny. Um, and and they are in. Can you do them in order? Yeah, we 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 should do them in order. Um, I I I did five seconds of research. Uh, sadly, oh Joe, this will make you so sad. Of the five, only one is available. Uh, if you click a button on your computer, which would be what? Duck Soup. Oh oh, you mean the others? Yeah, the others you'll have to find the others. Uh, no, but but the uh, Duck Soup you can just you can just click a button and buy it. Or rent it. Uh, the the five were reissued a few years ago uh, by Universal under the Silver Screen Edition on Blu-ray. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, especially Animal Crackers, it just looks amazing. Well, that's what, that's what I was trying to get to. Is you can name it. It's it's the coconuts, Animal Crackers, coconuts, Animal or- Crackers, Monkey Business, Horse Feathers, Duck Soup. That's right. I, I keep talking and talking without ever saying the name of a movie. Yes. <laughs> um so let's go in order let's go in order uh are we assuming you're i mean your listeners are so smart they they don't need to be educated do they well i think most of the most of them most of them are pretty familiar with the marx brothers and uh, they may not yes. be familiar with specific titles okay uh coconuts coconuts is the first film uh, Coconuts is a little primitive because it was Paramount's first all singing, all dancing, all talking musical. Uh, it was a, it was a big leap. Uh, the Marxes were the biggest stars in the world. They'd gone from vaudeville to Broadway, and Coconuts was a massive hit. Uh, you know, written by George Kaufman, music by uh, Irving Berlin. It, it was it was the all stars. Uh, it was a big deal. Uh, Paramount threw a lot of money at them, and then they had to deal uh, infamously with early sound technology, which was cameramen inside uh, inside glass boxes. And uh, Harpo, I know you're used to running across the room, but for this shot, why don't you just take one step to the left because our cameras can't actually paint. Yeah. Um, uh, The the movie, uh, strangely, was actually shot kind of like a sitcom with three cameras running at once, uh, you know, a master and, and then two close-ups. Uh, uh, you, you have to approach coconuts as a little bit of an archae- archaeological dig uh, because un- unfortunately some of the original elements have been lost. Uh, so if you watch the beautiful new universal Blu-ray, uh, there are some scenes that get very dupey. 
um, and the sound gets a little funky at times. And, and you, but you, you, you have to look at this as you're going back in time. You are, this is capturing history. This is the Marxes in their earliest incarnation. These are, I'm this show, I think opened in 27. So this is very mm-hmm. early going. Um, but to, to be completely positive, it's got some fantastically funny scenes. It's got why a duck, why a duck, which sort of sets the template for Groucho and Chico for the rest of time, which is a completely moronic conversation where Groucho is trying to give very simple instructions to Chico and Chico cannot follow anything and starts getting instantly confused. And Groucho, because he's perverse and because Groucho likes amusing himself, goes with the confusion. And, and and doubles down on it, and this and this very simple set of instructions just becomes five minutes of madness. Uh, the filmmakers are so confident in the in how gold the material is that it is literally just a locked off two shot of the brothers sitting at a table, and it is comedy gold. Wide Duck is fantastic. Uh, Coconuts also has the first version of one of my, probably my favorite Marx Brothers trope, which is the running through the bedroom doors, uh, which is uh, mm. two adjoining hotel rooms. And there's, of course, there's ladies in each room and there's brothers jumping under the bed and jumping into the closet. And the the, the timing is just astonishing as what well. and, and the director shoots it pretty avant-garde. The director shoots it as two two rooms with a with a literally a black bar going down the center of the frame and you are just you're watching it as the broadway audience would have watched it and uh it's funny 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 uh we've got groucho and margaret dumont and with with her as the as as the rich lady who doesn't understand every insult being thrown her way uh we've got harpo eating a telephone we've got uh we've got the auction scene where Groucho tries to rig an auction, and because again, because Groucho is perverse, he hires the biggest idiot he knows, Chico, to uh, to, to to be the stooge in in the crowd and run up the numbers. And, and Chico completely misunderstands what's supposed to be happening. Uh, we also introduce uh, uh, Harpo and Chico as thieves in their opening scene, um, where they're checking in a hotel with an empty suitcase, and Groucho says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's going on here?" That suitcase is empty, and Chico says, "Don't worry, it'll be full full when we leave." Um, which again, so this, this this movie is setting up the template for the brothers, which is you know Groucho's in charge, right? Right. Harpo and Chico are thieves, and Zeppo has nothing to do. Zeppo walks in every ten minutes, announces Groucho, and then leaves again. Um, the the movie is a lot of fun, but uh. A, uh, of the of the five, it, it is I, I would call it the weakest um, because of its technological glitches, and also because it's got a got a lot of those goddamn young lovers singing forgettable melodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which was yeah. Well, this this one this one really doubles down on it. Um, I mean, it, it's I, I'm assuming it's just following the format of of what a you know a, a three hour. Broadway extravaganza in 1927 would have looked like, and it's got it's got some it's got comedy for the guys and some cute songs for the ladies, and there's a lot there's a lot of young lovers. Um, 
when we move on to animal crackers, uh, Maury Riskin, who co-wrote the show with Kaufman and then adapted it for the movies, actually learned a great lesson. And God bless Maury. He cut out practically all of the young lovers. So animal crackers is vastly superior. And then he said, I mean, coconuts was a massive hit. And he said, you know what? People are here for the brothers. People are here for the jokes. And he just, he gutted his own show. Yep. And, and he streamlined it as much as possible on the on the guys. Um, Animal Crackers holds up terrifically. Um, it's it, it, it can be a movie that some people still aren't as familiar with because when at least when the three of us were were kids, uh, it was there was an embargo and it couldn't be seen legally, and so yeah. there was a generation that wasn't as familiar with Animal Crackers, and. Uh, uh, the the new Blu-ray is beautiful. So um, animal animal crackers is just is is almost just like all goodies all the time. Uh, it opens with hooray for Captain Spaulding, the African explorer. Um, so it, it opens with one of the hit songs. It's got it's got Groucho's monologue. I shot an elephant in my pajamas. Uh, it's got Harpo. Two minutes into his opening scene, stripped to his underwear, shooting a rifle at innocent civilians. Uh, and if that's not anarchy, I don't know what is. Um, <laughs> it's got another one of my favorite Mark scenes, which, uh, which again, is basically just a locked-off shot. It's Harpo and Chico playing bridge with, with the two women. And right, Harpo right, is yes. cheating at a level, it's mind-boggling how much he's cheating with with dealing these cards. That, I mean, he produces so many Ace of Spades, and it and it's so funny. I mean, um, it, it's Margaret Dumont, and I, I'm sorry, I'm spacing on on the other actress. Their timing is so good because, I mean, whatever they 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 did. This was another Broadway show that became a movie, and so they they've done it a lot of times. But Margaret knows exactly how to look away from the deck each time Harpo is cheating. And so he is, he keeps pulling out ace of spades. He'll deal a card to himself, not like it, give it to her, take back one of her cards, and she doesn't see any of this. And it's really, really funny. It is, uh, the bridge game is, is gold material. Um, this is the introduction of a a bit that Larry and I refer to constantly, which is the, uh, it's just sort of a metaphor for showbiz, which is uh, uh, Ch- Chico's uh, uh, how much you get paid to play, how much you get paid to rehearse, how much you get paid not to rehearse, you couldn't afford it. Uh, which, which is uh, the more you, the more you, the more you try to get rid of Chico, the more expensive it gets. Uh, <laughs> which is really Really funny stuff. Uh, it's got Chico uh, playing sort of the Marxist theme song, Sugar in the Morning, or otherwise known as I'm Daffy Over You, which is da 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 that song. And he keeps playing it, and he won't stop. And um, Groucho is pleading with him to stop the song. And, he, and Chico says, I can't think of the ending. And Groucho says, well, I can't think of anything else. Um, it's, 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 it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, animal crack is a lot of fun. Um, 
I'll I'll now segue into the, uh, the 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 gateway drug conversation, which is if you want to bring your kids into this, and you want you want yes. to introduce your kids to the Marxes, um, you don't start you don't start with one of the with one of the Broadway shows, uh, because what happens after Animal Crackers is the brothers move to Los Angeles. They they've run out of road tested material, and they have to do originals, and they get hooked up with Herman Mankiewicz whose attitude is, I don't give a shit about sappy love songs. I don't give a shit about plot. My idea of a good evening is you three guys lined up against the wall cracking jokes. And the next three movies, the L.A. movies, Monkey Business, Horse Feathers, and Duck Soup, are just complete mayhem. Um, They're very short. Uh, Each of them is 65, 68 minutes long. Uh, And they are just wall-to-wall chaos and totally joyful uh if you you, you've got a you got a seven-year-old or a ten-year-old and you want to introduce them i'd say go with horse feathers or duck soup which uh are the more insane and also more harpo heavy and little kids tend to respond really strongly to harpo kids love the harpo man yeah let me let me ask you this and to, to wrap up do you think there are uh, what what are what are the side effects of watching all five of these back to back? Do you think is that something people should avoid doing? Is it, uh... is, it is it like Tex Avery cartoons where you, you if, you, if you go to a whole evening of Tex Avery cartoons, you discover in the middle that you're watching the same cartoon over and over? No, no. Um, oh God, I hope we haven't run out of time. I haven't said anything yet. Um, uh, well, as as we go as we move to the the latter three, they get the movies get more surreal. The movies are now disregarding plot and the movies are going into anything for a joke. They are becoming more cartoon like and there there's a joy uh, monkey business. They are stowaways. And when they get discovered by the captain, instead of hiding from the captain, they confront the captain and complain about the poor conditions. Uh, these, these movies make no sense. Um, Monkey business, Harpo turns into a puppet in the middle of a puppet show. Uh, when the boys have to s- sneak out the boat and they don't have passports because they're stowaways, they all pretend that they are Marie Chevalier. Uh, passport scene is a home run. Passport scene is, I mean, it's probably Harpo's shining moment where he's trying to sneak off a boat and get through customs. And his way of sneaking off is to jump onto the table, grab an ink stamper and stamp the head of the bald customs agent. Which is, and then throw all the papers in the air. This isn't how you get through customs. Uh, it makes yeah. so little sense. Um, um, just I'll, I'll speed up horse feathers. Horse feathers, they are running a college. Uh, Groucho is a completely incompetent man, so he's been elected the president of the college. Uh, we've got, we've got the, the, everyone's favorite swordfish password scene. We, we've got the, my favorite Mark scene, which is the classroom scene which is really the Marxists doing their old vaudeville. It's Groucho as the, as the professor and Harpo and Chico as the, as the eight-year-olds uh, in their chairs with little pea shooters asking really dumb questions and Groucho going along with the stupidity. I love the classroom scene. We've also got Hotsi uh, Thoma Todd uh, in, in, in the first two LA movies who adds a sort of a sexy element. We, and we, and we got the brothers running through her apartment, all trying to seduce her. 
but they're all there at the same time. So they're jumping in the closet and jumping under the couch. And Harpo keeps running through with giant blocks of ice for no particular reason. Um, I'll, I'll quickly wrap up with duck soup, duck soup. Uh, you know, I, I, I go through periods. Duck soup is now my favorite Marx film, but if you'd asked me a month ago, I would have said a different title. Duck soup. I saw recently again, it is perfect. Uh, it's, uh, Leo McCary directed it. Who's probably the only grade a comic director they ever worked with. I, I mean, Norman McLeod is terrific, but, but McCary brings a visual styling Kerry came out of silence. He'd done a lot of Laurel and Hardy. And there's a lot of visual humor. Uh, there's the f- beloved mirror scene uh, with the guys impersonating each other, pretending they're standing at a mirror. Uh, there, There's uh, Edgar Kennedy as the lemonade vendor being tortured by Chico and Harpo, who are selling peanuts next door. And it, it, it's very Laurel and Hardy-like in that it's just people – torturing each other for no particular reason and there's a bully and Edward Kennedy's the bully but the little guys are 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 they're setting his hat on fire they're kicking his stand over they 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 he he is not getting the better end of this deal at all they are they are cruel and funny and i i love those torture scenes um <laughs> i mean duck, duck duck soup sort of has a has a visual fluidity and a stylishness that none of the other paramount titles do i mean Oh, I, okay. If you've got your 10 year old and like, let's go kill 65 minutes. I mean, duck soup is a winner. Duck soup is just goodies from start to finish. Uh, Leo McCary has been criticized in death for cutting out the musical numbers. Um, it's, no. it's a rare Marx film. that doesn't have a harp solo. It doesn't have a piano solo, but on the other hand, it's just wall to wall comedy. It's really yeah, funny. We don't, we don't miss those things. And, uh, and you know, in, in the 60s, it got rediscovered as the movie that was making a political statement. Uh, Groucho always said we had did not have any politics on our mind. Uh, though Groucho was, was a smart guy and was very aware of what Hitler was doing in the 30s. And uh, I, I, think, I think the people who made Duck Soup knew what they were doing. And they're making a lot of comments about stupidity in our elected leaders. And it's got some good messages there. Uh, no, that makes it very topical, then, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes it very yes, topical, and indeed. and it's and you can uh, press a button on your on your TV and rent it for two bucks and watch it. Uh, what do you have to say, uh, guys? Well, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you very much. Well, uh, uh, I'm sure our <laughs> listeners appreciate the recommendations, and um, um, I hope you. Uh, Continue to stay healthy there. Yeah, the, I, I'm, I'm. 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 I'm sorry. I, I blew eighty percent of my of my time on coconuts. That, but you're not. You don't have time to redo this because you. You. You got to. You got to move on because you're living in a bunker too. All right, uh, Scott. Thank you, sir. Thank stay you, Scott. low. Stay well. Yeah, stay well. I'll well, be back in the studio in no time. Wash right, your hands. Don't touch anything. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
Credible two-headed transplant. Evil lurks in the head of man, twisting tortured brains to satisfy fiendish desires. Remember Frankenstein, Wolfman, and King Kong. In each case, a woman of incredible beauty soothed their raging passions. Now, a monster more terrifying in appearance, more diabolical in its deeds, with two brains and two heads grafted on the body of a giant to create the incredible two-headed transplant. A monster with two insane passions, one to kill, one to love, twice as terrifying as any monster of fact or fiction. You must see the incredible two-headed transplant. It lives, it loves, it kills. Attracted by beauty, it could not resist. The incredible two-headed transplant. The incredible two-headed transplant. In color, rated GP. The incredible two-headed transplant. Next up, one of my very favorite filmmakers and one of the most wonderful human beings you will ever meet, the great Alison Anders. What did you call it? Axer Plots or Plots? <laughs> I, I saw it in theater, in a theater over, I believe, two nights. Oh, my gosh. I remember that. I did not do that, but I remember it. Yeah, it was crazy. It was uh, all the kids. All the kids were doing it back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Allison, thank you, thank you so much for uh, joining us from your um, your secure bunker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how are well, you? Uh... I have to say that my my list is very um, okay, boomer. Sorry. And <laughs> Quite all right. Which I am. I'm post boomer. <laughs> I'm not true boomer. Okay, so here's what I'm really excited about, what I've been looking at a lot, is One Step Beyond. Oh, my gosh. The TV show? Yes. Which can be found almost anywhere because it's public domain now. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's why it's so available. Yeah, because I thought, man, John Newland really, like, he must have owned a piece of it and just kept putting it out, you know? (laughs) I mean, he's sadly gone now, and I'm like so mad at myself for not um, not tracking him down and meeting him, because he was um, my my childhood crush. <laughs> so, um, so he before Paul McCartney, you know, but yes. um, but uh, so John Newland was an actor, sort of, and then uh, a, well, he he did a little bit bits here and there but uh but where he really began to shine was on this show on one step beyond where he was the enigmatic host of the show and he also directed mm-hmm. i think all of them mm-hmm. and directed tons of stuff i mean he directed thriller he direct, directed some alfred hitchcocks he later directed wonder woman and stuff like that in the 70s but didn't regard himself really as a director he was right. like, oh, I'm I'm more like the the head of an orchestra or something, you know. I just pick what I like out of what people are doing, and you know. So so it was before Twilight Zone, and it's weird because when you see the opening, you're like, oh my god, they just totally like they just jazzed up the One Step Beyond opening, but it's got this dreamy quality. And not the sort of acerbic quality of Rod Serling, which I love. I love, I love. Mm-hmm. But um, but it's it's not, he's not, uh, he might sometimes get a little bit of a smile. 
when he's hosting something about these paranormal experiences. Um, but, uh, but he's not taking the piss out of it ever. He's, he's, he's playing it for real. Although later admitted he never had a paranormal ESP experience in his entire life. But the, the big difference at the time was that, uh, you know, Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and all those shows were all uh, fictional shows. Yeah. And, the, and the gimmick with One Step Beyond was that these were actual stories that were reenacted. And, and sometimes they would even bring on the, the person that the story supposedly happened to at the end. Seriously? Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, because it's all like my mother would always go, and these are these have been reported. And they have not been disproved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know when it when it first came on, it was called Alcoa Presents. It there you go, right? It, it wasn't. It, it became one step beyond when it when they started to um, put it into syndication because it was a network show originally. Yeah, it was right. Yeah, it's on ABC. Uh, and it's just got this sort of dreamy quality. You'll see like great guest stars like Suzanne Plachette and people like that before they became stars. And, um, and there's just like a kind of uh, mi mysterious quality. They're all paranormal experiences. So, I mean, they're all like mm -hmm. paranormal stories. And, um, and the, the, the most amazing one, well, the most, the most popular one, is uh, the uh, sacred mushroom story where it's like a little documentary. So he goes down to Mexico, had this crazy experience actually making that, that episode to, in search of the magic mushrooms and he takes mushrooms along with some like professors and stuff. <laughs> so um, they're taking mushrooms to see if it will enhance their um, ESP uh, capabilities. And basically they just really get really high. You know, <laughs> he doesn't get that high. The other ones get pretty high and they're laughing and, and um, you know, they're taking a trip on TV in 19, I think it was 1960 when that one came out. Wow. So pretty uh, wild story. 1961. My favorite, my favorite is the, my favorite is the Lincoln episode. Oh, God. which is which is really quite memorable, uh, and it's a it's a it's a reenactment of supposed stories yeah. that took place uh, during the night that Lincoln was shot. And uh, it, there's premonitions, and there's uh, a, a soldier who's in a, a rooming house, and he has these oh, weird yeah. premonitions, and it ends up yeah. that his room is the one they take Lincoln to to die. Uh, and it's quite moving, and it really, it's, it's a great episode. There's, it, it, there, it's, it, the show didn't really get its due because being in syndication, it was so widely available in dupey, crummy copies that yeah. people didn't take it seriously. Uh, but it's I, the best episodes are right up there with Twilight Zone and Thriller. They really okay. are, and they're very, they're very emotional. They are, as you said, like often very moving. You know, I, I was watching one recently about a girl that's like twirling around under a, under a, like a little rich girl twirling around under a chandelier and then starts having these premonitions that the chandelier is going to fall on her. But it's like, it's really about more than that. It's like it's her and her father and issues with family and, 
it's kind of yeah there's just beautiful stories wow i i've only heard of it i've never seen it well, it's, it's eminently viewable i mean it's i think i think they're all on i think they're all on youtube they're all on youtube there's a whole channel and in fact you can even um there's an app through roku of a whole channel also of twilight really, of just I mean, of, of one, one which is probably better quality than yeah, yeah. YouTube. beautiful and then there's wow. um and then there's also to go with that is next step beyond which was in 78 and there's only about i don't know a dozen of those episodes some of them are remakes of of the um of the originals, but some are original ones. But they're all and they're all on tape, and they're all, they're, all, they're all on tape, and they're all on color, and they yes, just don't exactly. quite have the same cachet. They just yeah. don't. Yeah, they're fun for people that like to look at the seventies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those are all on YouTube as well. So there's Fantastic. a channel of Next Step Beyond, and there's one of One Step Beyond, and then there's the Roku app as well. That's the next awesome. thing uh, for uh, along those same, these are all movies, but you can watch them. I happened to already watch them last week, this whole slew of Troy Donahue movies. It's <laughs> amazing to on TCM watch. I mean, I watched them on TCM, but now they're on TCM watch. And the thing about them is, you know, he made like all these movies with Delmer Davies. And as I was watching them, I was like, God, the, the longer I live, the more I love this director's work because the melodramas are so different than um, than Cirque because, I mean, they're not as, they're certainly not as beautiful, you know, as Cirque. But, and they're not as ironic either. Yeah, they're not ironic at all. And and the thing is that he he tended to like young people better. Like he took young people more seriously than Cirque always sort of made them like evil. They were always evil. They always hated, they always hated their parents. They're always yes, ruining always. their parents' lives. <laughs> they screwed things up for their parents. And you know, they just didn't understand. But we talked about this before. That's right, you guys, with me and you guys. And, yes. um, and so on uh, Davies, you know, the melodramas of Parrish, which, is one of my favorites because it's got Troy Donahue, um, who's Claudette Colbert's son. Um, they go to work on this plantation, this like tobacco plant plantation kind of thing, and uh, and Troy Donahue is, is uh, he you know has like three different girlfriends, including the beautiful Diane McBain who plays. Allison, hello. Oh. Um, and I was actually named after that character in the book, not from the seriously. Movie. Yeah, <laughs> so, and she's the rich girl, and my dad just thought that uh, you know being a rich girl would give me a leg up. Uh, whatever. That's so funny. My um my uh, one of my oldest and best friends um, is named Rodney after the Ryan O'Neill character in um, uh, Peyton Place. Peyton Place. Yes, the the book. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and then Connie Stevens, she's also in Parish, and then she's in Susan Slade with uh with Troy Donahue, and also there's a summer place. So those are all the Delmer Davies um uh Troy Donahue melodramas. But then there was also um 
oh, what's the name of it? Um, My Blood Runs Cold. And Tuana Guillotine. Yeah, with Troy Donahue and William Conrad directing it. So it's kind of, it's pretty amazing, even if you just, like, enjoy the title sequences. Okay. Really, yeah. And um, and then next, I recently watched the uh, Stephen Kajak uh, documentary, Sid and Judy. And having really loved um, Renee Zellweger's performance as Judy, Mm. Um, you know, I was curious about, um, about this documentary and I love Steven's movies. I actually met him, Joe, at your house, mm-hmm. the Scott Walker documentary. Yeah. And, oh. um, and so, uh, what I love about this Sid and Judy documentary is that there's moments, they, they really break down that the making, he really breaks down the making of a, of a star is born. And there's one moment that's so spectacular where he goes through different versions of the scene where Judy sings the man that got away and um, shot at entirely different times and different clothes and so forth. There's, you know, Tommy Noonan sitting at the piano with her singing, but it's, um, they're all totally different and that they end up with the one that they end up with, you know, and, Mm. and then the tragedy of how, the film ended up, you know, sliced to pieces and so forth. But um, that that was that was particularly moving for me. That uh, that documentary. Oh, well, and you say it's the same director as the um, the Scott Walker doc. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Do you yeah, do you watch? Really. Um, it's a bit of a tangent. Do you watch Pose on FX? <gasps> Are you kidding? I love that. Show. Oh, okay, good. Yes, I'm yes, crazy no, me too. Speaking of, oh, Billy good. Porter, Billy Porter did that amazing uh, version of the man that got away. Remember in the AIDS clinic? Yeah, it's just one of the greatest things. Yeah, it's so good. Yes. I love that. Yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. Um, next, I have a double feature of angels. So this is teenage girls and nuns. What could one more? Awesome. <laughs> in the sixties. So, um, The Trouble with Angels, uh, you know, directed by Ida Lupino in 1966, which in itself is rather astounding that a woman had a studio film in 1966 Mm. to direct. And it's both films have Rosalind Russell in them. Um, The Trouble with Angels is is almost crazier and at the same time a little more deep than uh than where angels go trouble follows that is the sequel but um the trouble with angels has Haley mills as as the trouble at at a um girls at a catholic girls school and uh rosalind russell is the uh the mother superior so it's sort of crazy teenage girl antics. The, the women are all completely driving the show. Guys guys play practically no role with angels. There, there's no men around. However, they do play quite, they play a bit of a role, a bit more of a role in, uh, in the sequel where angels go, trouble follows. And that has... Um, Rosalind Russell again 
as Mother Superior, it has Stella Stevens as the young new hip nurse. I mean, the the uh, the young new hip nun who's trying to ruffle feathers in the uh, convent there, and um, probably based on some of those women at uh, you know Immaculate Heart here in uh, here in L.A. at the time. And um, and then the girl, uh, the lead uh, teenager is Susan St. James, who was oh. fairly new at the time. And a great voice and heart song on uh, the title song, Where Angels Go, Trouble Follows. The um, score on The Trouble with Angels was Terry uh, Goldsmith. Beautiful score. And then Lala Schifrin did a really fun a, a little bit more fun score for uh, where angels go, trouble follows. So those are really fantastic, awesome. you know. Um, double bill, and then lastly, yes. um, there is a Blu-ray now of Night Tide by Curtis Harrington. Yes, there is. It's gorgeous and really beautiful, and one of my favorites. Luana Anders, Luana Anders is in it, not to be confused with my sister Luana Anders. Correct. Um, but I did meet her, uh, Luana, um, back when I was making Border Radio. I'd watch anything with her in it. Did you know Luana? I never met her, but I, I'd watch anything that she was in. She's spectacular, wasn't she? Yeah. Just so great. And she's the, the girl that lives. At the, you know, lives at the um, carousel at the Santa Monica Pier in the movie. And then Linda Lawson is the mermaid who uh, Dennis Hopper meets young sailor on leave and uh, meets this uh, girl that, that does a little mermaid act. And the question is, is she really a mermaid or what? Again, I'm like, I can't believe I didn't meet Curtis Harrington. I'm so bummed. And I was watching a little documentary about him and feeling bad for him and everything. I was like, oh, God, this guy just had such a weird, great vision. And and he probably, you know, never got a break after these movies. And then he, it turned out he was directing, like, Charlie's Angels and stuff. So I was like, oh, he probably made some money back in those days. That was, that was a good living. He was a good guy, too. Oh, was he? I'll bet. Yeah, he was a very nice guy. Oh. Love movies love that well it's beautiful it's just such a beautiful movie and it's and it's really odd yeah in a in a great way and it kind of great really way, yes. goes along with one step beyond too there you know it's just such a um and it's it's interesting to me that um that well first of all that marjorie cameron's in it and he had done a little documentary about her art, and she was, of course, this kind of occultist and um, not an actress at all. And then uh, um, also that Dennis Hopper ended up there. I mean, there's great stuff of Venice in the in the movie when it was really decrepit. The canals were all completely yeah. disgusting and dying, and. And that he ended up living there and dying there himself is kind of amazing when it all got, you know, fancy. But he right. stayed there, I think, since, I think after that movie, 
that became his sort of uh, home. Yeah, that's one of those shadow uh, financier jobs from Roger Corman. It um, is, right? Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Roger used to, used to finance all these movies and never not put his name on them. And they were always these offbeat little pictures, that, that the Monty Hellman pictures, the Westerns that he, that he right. did. Uh, and targets, and you know, uh, those are all things that um, he was. He, there's, he, there's a whole bunch of stuff in, in Roger's resume. Uh, that they are not exploitation pictures. They're 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 movies that could be sold as exploitation pictures, but right. they really are art pictures. Sure, oh, amazing. They really are, right? I mean, it's uh -huh. just, I mean, just beautiful stuff. So, so those are my. Sorry, no, those are great. Thank you. Um, I'm just. I want to get back to Corman. What was the rationale for not putting his name on them? Oh, I'm sure it had to do with taxes. Oh, oh sure. Enough <laughs> said. companies and, you know, all that kind we'll, of we'll stuff. We'll say no more about it. We don't want anyone paying it. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, fantastic. Well, listen, Allison, yeah, that was a fantastic list. I, I got to say, you're, um, uh, it was uh, Thanks, worth, guys. Worth technical issues. And, um, yeah, yeah, no, thank you. And, Go out and buy shares in YouTube. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Exactly. Well, listen, stay, stay low, stay healthy. You and, too, you uh, guys. Next time we see you, it'll be in person, I hope. Yes. Yeah. Love you all. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. There's a movie today called Gas, or it became necessary to destroy the world in order to save it. It features Country Joe and the Fish. It's about a scientist who perfects a gas that destroys everyone over 25 years old. Over 25? Yes, this gas kills everyone over 25. It's being tested in a theater near you. See it with your folks. All of the gang liked Maddie Miller. She knew how to turn them on. Bleep, me sugar. Bleep, bleep. Bleep. Bleep, bleep. But she didn't know how to turn them off. We're not going to hurt you. We like you a lot. Bleep. A love story. Maybe partly. But you didn't send me to jail. Maybe partly. But you didn't do what you did. Maybe partly either. Bleep. A love story. Maybe partly. Hey, look what Steve-O's got. How does she look up close? Better. Bleep. Starring Rene Auberginois, Elsa Cardenas, Peter Brown, and Joanne Harris as Maddie Miller. Alone. Bleep, a love story, maybe partly. Bleep, from four-star Excelsior Releasing Company, rated R. Once again, here's Dana Gould. I would substitute Battle for the Planet of the Apes with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, as it's basically a remake and a little bit better. Uh, yes, you I know, agree. It, it does, it does, yeah. The one thing I do have to love about the one thing you have to love about Battle for the Planet of the Apes is it tells the story of the the battle that def, that defines the future of the Earth, and prominently featured is a school bus. And <laughs> say, <laughs> so what do we got? I don't know, school bus. Sure. I, I think there were diminishing returns on that series by that. Oh yeah, as the, the seams the seams were showing, the seams were showing. But uh, no, this is a weird, for, especially for movie people, because now we're living in a movie. It's a contagion on the outside, the shining on the inside. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, we're, which is, uh, we're trying which is to... strange, which is strange in that contagion is trending on yes. iTunes for four bucks. Yeah. 
and it's free on CNN. So I don't really understand <laughs> why anybody would make it. Yeah. Are you, are you watching a lot of uh, um, uh, pandemic-related uh, We uh, Yeah, we, we did. We, we, we started off. Uh, we can get in. Do you want to get into the list? Sure. Why not? Why not? You mean that's not the list? Well, no. Uh, we, uh, we started off big. We, we did watch uh, Contagion, which I felt was uh, redundant. Um, yeah. And then uh, we we have a we have a thing in, uh, by uh, my girlfriend and I uh, uh, called around, <laughs> it's called around the world, but it means uh, she picks a movie and then I pick a movie, and then uh, when my kids are here, they pick a movie, and uh, it's also how we play the radio in the car. And then we do half and half, which means uh... <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna go there. Um, so when I when I uh, came up uh, when it, you know you you can't not be in a pandemic without watching the omega man which uh, uh, yes. uh which is uh uh not only uh a, a, a fantastic movie it it's 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 a it, it it's an apocalyptic film it's a pandemic film it's a zombie film basically and it's also a black exploitation film starring okay. charlton heston Yes, it is, uh, as they say, uh, no pun intended, a black swan, to be sure. <laughs> it's um, it's a glorious choice for this. If uh, if you're uh, if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, I, is it the I was just talking to somebody the other day. It's in the um, Vincent Price version. I don't know. This, this is this is this is the second try. Yeah. No, no, no. But I'm saying yeah. in the Vincent Price version, it is revealed that the reason that at least that he thinks he survived is that he was bitten by a monkey. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> I'm not so sure that that's the plot. Is that I mean, not, but I think that happens. It's, 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 it's much more contagion. No, I'm sorry. Right. No, not a monkey. What am I saying? A vampire bat. He's bitten by a vampire bat in the first film. And that somehow. Uh, inoculated uh, him. Inoculated him against, which, yes, because the irony being that this one seems to have started with bats. So. What is it, What is interesting about that movie is when they first started to come up with, you know, who's going to play the everyman? You know, just the guy that everybody can relate to. Vincent Joel McRae? No, 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 no. Vincent Price. <laughs> just a guy off the streets. Right. And it does have the classic line, I'm a man, you're all freaks. <laughs> Maybe I, a good line. Charlton Heston's not exactly, you know, I, only I, compared to Vincent Price. I, does Charlton I Heston have to play admit, I, I prefer it to Omega Man. Really? Uh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, yeah, because if, if, between Vincent Price and, and Charlton Heston, I'll take Vincent Price anytime. Yeah. Well, sure. Uh, yeah. But, but it's, also, it's, uh, also, it's the first version of Night of the Living Dead, as George Romero right. was frequently pointed out. He yes. said that, that, that he got the whole idea from seeing this picture, which was supposed to be made for Hammer Films uh, by Richard Matheson, and the censor wouldn't let them make it. So they sold it to Robert Lipper, who was a low-budget producer, and he made it in Italy. And uh, I think the reason Price is in it is because uh, they were going to sell it to AIP, which is doing a lot of a lot of Price pictures. Uh -huh. um, I saw a double bill with Dr. Terror's House of Horrors at the RKO Palace on Broadway, and it was very memorable. I'm 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 envious. It is it is a it's a grittier you know retelling of that story, and it does uh, n none of them uh, of the three versions of the film have the beautiful 
uh, coda at the end of the Matheson book, where he, which is the whole point of the title, where Robert Neville, the, the human, realizes that I am the legend. I'm the I'm the boogeyman that they that they talk about. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. the freak. Not you know, I uh, uh, they don't. Uh, neither one of them has that. The 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 Heston version is. It's just so seventies. Like if like if if you bought the film on thirty five millimeter, the cans would come wrapped in bell bottoms. It's, it's, <laughs> and it's, it's so incredibly uh, gloriously nineteen seventies. And when he dresses up for dinner, uh, mm. you know he 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 dresses like Austin Powers. He's got, <laughs> he's, he's got a velvet jacket and a ruffled thing. Uh, it's just, uh, it's fantastic, but, but, you know, uh, uh, hats off, uh, to, uh, it's a, it's an interracial love story at the center of the, at the plot and, uh, that, that's, uh, healthy and, and open-minded and, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really work, but it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. I would think in terms of the story, I think, Joe, you're right. The Last Man on Earth works. Well, the last man is more is more faithful to the to the original book because Matheson yeah. actually wrote the screenplay, but then he took his name off. And, and um, uh, yeah, and use the uh, use the pseudonym Logan Swanson. Yes, which is I guess was his pseudonym for things that he just took his name off, and because that yeah. uh, that name appears in a, a bunch of other things. Yeah, I had to change my name on one Simpsons episode because it was the the story was they were going to China to adopt a baby. We were on our way to go to China to adopt our second baby, which was our first baby was the origin of the story. And I didn't want them, you know, because we had some jokes in there that I didn't want them to be, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't want them to get angry at me once I was over there. So uh, <laughs> the, the first version of the script was written by Larry Talbot, which was my version of like, <laughs> the, perfect, the perfect pseudonym for somebody who wasn't really who they pretended to be. Um, Google it if you don't get it. We're now, what did, you, what, what did you think of the Will Smith version? Um, I did not like it even a little. I thought that the the it, it it's the King Kong of pointless CGI. Like you you don't need CGI, and yet you do it, and it looks like CGI. I do love the scene. Like every version of it, the 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 best scene in the Omega Man is the opening scene where he's where he's saying there's no phones ringing damn it like where he's alone and the phone starts to ring and he's downtown i thought that was terrific uh and the will smith scene where he goes into the video store uh and is begging the mannequins to talk to him i thought that was i thought that was terrific yeah. uh, there's always one scene that encapsulates it oddly the first shot in the Omega Man where they're trying to establish that he's alone in Los Angeles and there's a car on the 110 going south right behind him. <laughs> Is there the oh, no. the movie. Uh, Today they just CGI that right out. Yeah, yeah. I know. But uh, I got to say, that movie, I'm sure I've talked about it on the show. There's just nothing for me is as magnificent as Charlton Heston sitting in a theater by himself. Watching lip Woodstock. syncing, Lip syncing <laughs> with the hippies in Woodstock. Yeah. 
<laughs> the um, fact that he had to watch that sequence over and over and over again. Oh, the so, fact that he had to be the projectionist too. He had to, <laughs> and then, then he had to run downstairs real quick in order to be able to sit yeah. there. And then, and then the real ran out. Back, back up. <laughs> Every fifteen minutes. Um, I, I actually, uh, I have to say, I I did a TV show with Charlton Heston. I did Bill Maher's Politically Incorrect, which was oh. the show before Real Time. Yes. Uh, in I think '96 or '95. Uh, sure. With, with Mr. Heston. And uh, we disagreed on everything, sure. uh, but he was a, a, a complete gentleman. I credit where credit is due. I, I agree with that. I tried to get him to play the president in the Second Civil War, uh, and uh, I, I, I sent him the script, and then I talked to him on the phone, and he, he said he was very nice, but uh, he yeah. said, well, I, I, this is one, one of those movies where all the people of color are, are right and all the white people are wrong. And I said, no, that's not actually the way I'm looking at it. Um, but uh, he was he was very nice. Yeah, the the uh, in the Omega Man uh, bonuses on the DVD, the uh, uh, Josh or Joe, you'll know that the name of the actor that played the kid, um, uh, Richie, who grew up to he he worked uh, all his career, and he talked about how intimidated he was working with Charlton Heston and how True. nice he was. All the stories about him are of him being nice. That goes a long way. Yeah. 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 Um, the second, the second movie, uh, and, 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 uh, and, uh, the Omega man, possibly the least subtle ending. And, and, and the history. <laughs> well, it, it yeah. was another, it was another Christ figure thing. Yeah. It, yeah. It makes the ending of planet of the apes look like nuance. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's I get it. I get it. Um, but my second, uh, the, the movie that uh, I, I would recommend for, the, for this time period is uh, John Borman's Hope and Glory, which oh, is a, sure. a beautiful, oh, beautiful, uplifting story of, of life yes. in adversity and, yep. uh, and how uh, through a child's eyes, even the most uh, horrific thing, uh, you normalize and, uh, and you go about your life, which is really uh, the... That's a yeah, great, great film and great pick too. Um, yeah, to showing showing people getting through what seemed at the time to be apocalyptic circumstances. That, yeah, and and finding the 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 joy in it. Yeah, and the, the the last line of the movie when the little kid comes out to see that the Germans have bombed his schoolhouse, and he just shouts, "Thank you, Adolf." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's just a, it's a it's a it's a beautiful uh, it, it's a beautiful story of life and adversity, and and in in that same uh, in that same it was a, it was a toss up, and I didn't I didn't say this one because I didn't want to seem ass kissy. But uh, I put matinee in that same in that same oh, drawer. Oh, good. Yes. With, uh, yep. You know, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, when you really did think that the world was going to come to an end, but you're a kid, and that's not where your head is. Yeah. And uh, and and it just becomes the reality that uh, that you live in. The scene, yeah. the scene in that movie that is actually uh, pertinent now is the uh, run on the grocery store. Yes. Mm. Yes. Uh, to to be to be sure. Um, and 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 if for nothing else, like, hey, it's not a picnic. Can ant picnic? See what I did? <laughs> <laughs> one one of my one of my fav one of my favorites. Yeah, that's a great movie. Um, uh, third, you know, if you like me, you know, everybody is watching the news, and uh, every day you see the leader of the free world. Uh, acting 
and behaving like a six-year-old. Careful, and we don't want to alienate anyone. I know. Uh, <laughs> leader of the free world, Anthony Fauci. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, to that, uh, you know, I highly recommend my favorite comedy, Dr. Strangelove. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, when, 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 when the, the brown stuff hits the rotating blades, uh, uh, people are still going to be people, and uh, uh, people, are, people are flawed. As, as, as Adam I certainly West, do get to see that every day. As Adam West once said to Burt Ward over the malfunctioning Batmobile, Robin, the Batmobile is a machine made by man, and like man, has its flaws. <laughs> uh, and uh and yeah i uh i i can't watch uh i i can't watch uh dr strange love enough um it's uh it's it's not only uh you know it, it you know you you understand that contagion is like watching the news and yeah. and so is dr strange love yeah. <laughs> I, I'd actually feel a lot more confident if any of the characters in Doctor Strange Love were in charge of things right now. Oh yeah, a hundred percent, including yeah. Buck Turgidson. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's, uh, uh, but it is uh, you know you, but but again, you go back to, uh, you know that was an that was an era that we we survived as well and uh you know in in some capacity uh we will uh you know we'll we'll get through we'll get through this whether it's the dr strangelove version or the 12 monkeys version uh <laughs> remains to be seen uh 12 yes. monkeys also not on my list but an underrated uh yeah pandemic yes um, uh if you are looking for a com i'm kind of uh uh, a splitting here, so there's going to be a bonus on mine. Um, uh, if you're looking for a, uh, it, it's hard to watch completely ridiculous comedies because you know the the the, the mood is, uh, you know the the you know the, the mood of the of laughter right now of humor is a, a little dark. It's it's uh, a gallows humor right now. It's sort of uh, you know uh, you know the hardest it, it's like when you laugh with your brothers at your aunt's funeral you know <laughs> like when you're when you're in the back cracking up uh it, it's that so it's hard to watch things that are completely ridiculous uh you have to really be in the mood but if you can get in the mood uh peewee's big adventure is my favorite uh completely uh uh balls out ridiculous uh completely silly comedy uh the, for the the live action, uh, it's it's a live action Tex Avery movie. Yeah, uh, uh, not to be confused with the live action Tex Avery movie. But um, uh, I uh, I really enjoy just the the complete anarchy of uh, of, of that film and and the ludicrousness of it. And 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 you do get to the point where it's uh, uh, it's just completely. Uh, uh, completely off the rails, and uh, if you're uh, if you're in the mood to to really put a to if you really want to put a, a hour and forty five minute pin in it, if you, if you just want to put a pin in reality for a little under two hours, Pee Wee's Big Adventure would be uh, my recommendation. Yeah, 
James, James Brolin, I don't know why, just uh, it pops up. It's just one of those things that's stuck in my head forever. It's James Brolin inside my head going, I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> that <laughs> that and, when, and when when Pee-wee's in the movie with one line and it's Luke. Oh, paging Mr. Herman, paging Mr. Herman. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that stuff just, uh, that stuff just uh, uh, blows me away. Um, yeah. My my last movie, which I actually think we're going to watch tonight, uh, in terms of uh, sort of a, a an a, an end of the world movie with a little bit of hope, and just gorgeous gorgeous color saturation, uh, uh, the war the original War of the Worlds, uh, oh, with mm. Gene Barry, uh, oh, the George yeah. the George Powell, right? Yep. Uh, uh, and you remember what you remember what uh, not to spoil the ending, but you remember how they uh, how they were finally defeated. Yes, the yeah. <laughs> germs, germs. Yes, the uh, that's going to be that's going to be that will be the that will be Joe Biden's campaign slogan. And in the end, <laughs> the invaders were defeated by the smallest things that God and His wisdom put on this earth. Germs, uh, but the uh, the. The design of the Martian ships, the, the, the ships, the, right, the, right, the miniature work, the the color saturation, uh, Gene Barry, uh, every everything about that movie, and and it, and it does, you know, uh, it, it is also a um, a, a movie with a a, a a happy ending that also. Uh, tells of of something that happens in every crisis uh is the 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 law of unintended consequences that something is going to happen that you don't expect or plan on whether it's positive or negative mm -hmm. and um you know we uh, we we may come out of this with uh, with an with our homeless problem solved um, and I, I, I don't say that in a negative way. I mean, the fact that we're finding them places to stay now for public safety, maybe we'll stick. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, uh, it's a, 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 just a, uh, you know, it's the, it's the King Kong of, of 50 science fiction movies in my, uh, in my, uh, opinion, but I'll defer to Joe's no, no, it's, uh, it's, take it's right on up there. Yeah. Right I was obsessed as a kid. I, I I drew a lot, and I was obsessed with the spaceships with that movie. I would just sit and and the sounds they made, draw them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My I remember this really. My mother and father watched it on television one night, and then described it to us the next day. She's like, "There's these ships," and then like a cobra came out of the top, and we were like, yes. "Mom's been drinking it." <laughs> And then we all saw it, like you know, six or eight months later. We we're like, "Oh my God, Mom was right. This is exactly right. what she described." Exactly. Uh, yeah, and it, it really was exactly as she described. And uh, so, th so those are my five movies. And, and for my bonus, there's there's nothing you can't beat. You can't beat a Twilight Zone marathon. Yeah, that's uh, very true. Yeah, and uh, and uh, uh, we <laughs> and. Uh, as uh, as a friend of mine uh, texted me the other day when the, when the stay at home order uh, went to effect, he just texted me, "Time enough at last." 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one's been coming up a lot lately. Yeah. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of Burgess Meredith on the social media yeah. lately. But, but it, you know, from, from uh, when, as you get older and you see these things four or five, six hundred times, you always spot the one thing that makes you go, what? Uh, and in Omega Man, the, this, in addition to the fact that he would have to be the, his own projectionist <laughs> to, the, to the movie, but also when he's preparing dinner for himself, he goes into the kitchen with a string of like 13 sausages. It's like, you're eating alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, a cartoonishly giant strip. <laughs> Did anybody on the set go, why why this? And 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 time enough at last, there's the, the ultimate straw man, the 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 wife who hates reading. Yes. <laughs> How do you end up in that relationship? You know, she later gave birth to the doctor from Patch Adams that would be furious when children laughed. <laughs> <laughs> Stop making these children laugh! How uh, dare you! But yeah, it's just one of those things we were watching, and I was like, "Well, this is a bit of a straw man." Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, Dana, you know, you asked me. I, I, I nearly fell down on the job. You said I should remind you to tell your Anthony Zerb story. Oh yes. Um. Uh. You know, Anthony, is it Zerb or Zerby? Zerby. 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 I just like Zerb. Yeah, and he, I believe, he's still with us. Uh. uh is he? You'd have to, why don't you look that up on your trusty phone that you always well, call Well, let's out. hope. Let, let's hope. Um, several years ago, probably, you know, probably 20, I was in Denver, Colorado. Uh, oh, man, he is still alive. Oh, oh good my job. gosh. <laughs> we've got, but Scientology. Yeah, wait. Yes. And we, we've got a star, Anthony Zerby. He's <laughs> still alive. Is, is he a, is he a, a Scientology? Possibly. Oh, oh, well, whatever works, I guess. Um, speaking of Scientologists, the Elizabeth uh, Moss, the Invisible Man, I quite enjoyed. I, um, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, quite enjoyed it. Um, so I'm in Denver, Colorado, performing at a comedy club there, the Comedy Works. And, you know, they put you up in the, like, executive hotel complex, you know, the, the long-term hotel complex. And, uh, and Anthony Zerby was also in town performing in The Crucible. And I get on the elevator and Anthony Zerby walks on the elevator with me and the door shut and I, and I turn to him and I go, I, I wouldn't say this if it wasn't true. I watched the Omega Man again about a week and a half ago, probably my 40th or 50th viewing. And he kind of chuckled and then waited the door the door came and he walked out the elevator and he turned to me and he waited for the doors to start to shut and as they started to shut he just said the family is one and then the door shut and it was, <laughs> it, was like, it was the it was the it was the perfect moment so the the Fantastic. The, the, the the epilogue to that story is i go up to my little room and i'm going to go to the to the gym in the in the building and, you know, about an hour later, I go down to the gym and I'm about to go to the gym and I see that he's at the gym and he's the only one in the gym. And and our meeting was so perfect, I just turned around and went back upstairs. <laughs> because, because then it would have been that terrible, awkward, hey, it's me, I'm yeah, not following yeah. you. Uh, so I just, not only was he charming and lovely, he got me out of a workout. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he was rewarded with a long life for it. He was rewarded with a long and healthy life. God, God bless you. And, uh, uh, so may we all be. Yes, exactly. Well, thank um, you, Dan. I'm sure you're going to help a number of people get through this, this torturous time. Uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're trying every day uh, on Instagram. I post my pandemic minute, which is just a little uh, uh, comedic uh, one minute observation. And uh, my podcast is still going up every uh, every two weeks. So, yeah, we're all doing our part and uh, washing my hands and staying in. Fantastic. Thanks for coming um, back. Stay healthy. Stay well. Uh, we will talk to you soon. So. Uh, and I am here when you need me. Trouble is here. He wears $600 suit, drives a $10,000 car, and he carries two guns. One to stop trouble and one to make trouble. But now who? He was born in the ghetto. I didn't make it, baby. Playing by the rules. Raised in the streets. I come apart, baby. But now fine. Trouble is this man's name. Checking trouble, sugar. Moving down the line. Trouble, man. I gon' let it sweat me, baby. If you're looking for trouble, look out. Cause trouble is here. Robin Hooks is trouble man. You jive him and he'll wash you away. Trouble Man from 20th Century Fox. Rated R. Under 17. Not admitted without parents. Trouble Man with an original Marvin Gaye score. So that was our first uh, pandemic parade. Cavalcade of Corona superstars on this very special episode of the movies that made me. Um, We're going to keep coming at you uh, every week at the regular time during this and beyond this. And uh, we're also recording a few more of these to sprinkle throughout uh, to keep you uh, entertained and to hopefully give you some good ideas for some great movies to watch that you might not otherwise have thought to check out. Um, Just want to thank you all once again for all your support for the show. It has meant the world to... uh, Joe and Don and me, um, this show is obviously a labor of love, and you have uh, repaid it all with a uh, great deal of love in return. So we thank you for that. Uh, Stay careful out there. If you have to go out, stay inside, stay warm, stay healthy, and really be good to each other. Um, I mean that. It's obvious. It's trite. But please, please do. Uh, These are tough times. We're going to get through them all. And every now and then, when you need a little bit of escape, um, watch a movie. Our show was recorded in beautiful downtown Burbank. The official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Now, the screen breaks loose with all the fury of the atom bomb. Moonshiner's Woman, the new picture that makes Thunder Road look like an ice cream social. You'll see more in Moonshiner's Woman than you'll see in a lifetime. Meet Laura Lee. From the backwoods to the bright lights, she was big trouble. And Mitch, the pretty boy that learned it all the hard way. And Rachel, the fast buck hippie with a $2 conscience. And Jarvis, the big man, a cheap imitation of a human being. And Sharon, the big man's honky-tonk baby. It's big trouble, big excitement, 
big screen action. Moonshiner's Woman. From the hills of Tennessee to the Daytona 200, it's shine, drink, and motor roar and action from start to finish. Moonshiner's Woman. Moonshiner's Woman. Moonshiner's Woman. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.